Shock Mighty Five out of the Tennessee camp. And we're about to get started today. Sorry for being so late, man. We're um, trying to take advantage of the last piece day, man. Just trying to get some things together. Uh, I had one brother had a question. I think I'm going to wait for a couple of options to get back. But um, today I want to get into there's this. Uh, there's this thing going around, and it's like an attack, really on our, on our, uh, on our youth, man. Especially dealing with excuse me, let me get up. stem cells is it regenerates. So the, the, the regenerations of it, um, the, uh, like for instance, Peyton Manning had a problem with his neck. And he got this stem cells uh, injected into his neck. And next thing you know, like he's healed from it. It starts regenerating, coming back strong. So um, it's the same thing that they're using, they've been using since the 70s and 80s, like I said before. And it's a system where they lock up juveniles, and they'll lock them up for even having something simple as a fist fight in school. And it depends on the county and the state, depending on how they want to regulate it. But what they'll do is they'll lock them up. And when they lock them up, they'll charge the parents for them staying there, so-called, you know. And it's a, it's a certain rate that they pay. It can be from $50 to $1,000 a month. Uh, there's a lady that we're going to read about. She actually had a house, and she they made her pay $10,000 to where she had to sell her house. She became bankrupt, and then she ended up uh, getting her son out of jail. So 
and they try to tell them they're doing this for the reason of so like for the reason of if we if we make you pay, then you then you'll uh you you'll be more strict on your children and have more regulation on your children to where they do better. Which is all just a straight up lie. We gonna have a lawyer, we gonna look at the article where this lawyer admits that their budget is so low, they're making so much, they, they're making, they're not making enough money in the government. So they're using one of these, this is a strategy that they're using to pay for some of the things they need in government. It's, it's a very messed up plan, especially for blacks, Hispanics, and Native Indians. And we're gonna find out it's another hidden agenda plan to keep us oppressed. Right. Because how you gonna sit there and True enough, there's, there's some of our brothers and sisters, especially the young ones, that are confused. And you can blame that on Christianity. You can blame that on is, uh, Islamic faith. You can blame that on all these other things that's, con uh, that's confusing them. But who do you blame? Do you blame the dope dealer? Do you blame the plane that's, the person that's flying the plane delivering the dope in the neighborhoods in the first place? So that's what we're looking at today. Um, now, one thing I wanted to cover, a brother had talked to me and said he wanted to know about what does the Bible say about tattoos, all right? So, uh, I want to go to the Leviticus, uh, I want to cover that real quick before we get on the topic. If anybody had any questions um, in the chat or in the room, just let me know. Uh, let's hit Leviticus 19 and 28. And again, this brother wanted to know uh, what's, what is it is it cool to have tattoos? Uh, what does the Bible say about tattoos? We're gonna cover it real quick. So that brother can get edified rightly about these scriptures. So this uh, 19, Leviticus 19 and 28. Okay, not 20. Did I say 22? Live, 28. Okay. Leviticus 19, 28. Let me get that for right. Go ahead. Come on, come Leviticus chapter 19, verse 28. Ye shall not make any cuttings in your flesh. What? Ye shall not make any cuttings in your flesh. Already in the scriptures, we seen that you should not make any cuttings in your flesh. Keep going. For the dead. For the who? For the dead. For the dead. Nor print any marks upon you. Nor print any marks upon you. What's the last part? I am the Lord. So this scripture is telling you right here, man. You don't cut upon the dead. You don't cut upon the flesh of the dead. And you do not make any kind of marks upon you. So here's the thing about that also. Here's the spirit of it. That's the whole point of us having a grace period. Now what you did in the world is what you did in the world. You have to go out there and, and uh, now that you're in the truth, you have to go to the tattoo parlor and laser that junk off. Nah. Nah, that's what you did in the world. You forgive it for that. That's that's the whole point of what Christ did, man. We were so wicked doing all kinds of things in the world that uh, it had to be some kind of sacrifice for us to get ourselves to get back together. So that's the whole reason why Christ did what he did. And the reason why, if you have got a tattoo, uh, don't get any more 
You go be in this truth, be in the truth. Don't get any more. You're done with that. It's in the scriptures, Leviticus 19 and 28. Do not sit there and mark your body. All right? Do you have a question up? Uh, not, uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I ask Was that, um, Salah, was that, um, one of the, um, Things that they were doing in Egypt, and that's why the Most High was like, "Don't do, don't do it," because other nations were doing it. Cause I know for sure Egypt did a whole bunch of stuff that they did, um, and I think it's it's actually, man, I might have to do a class on tattoos, but I think it originates from uh, I want to say Greco Roman. I'm 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 not real sure. I want to say either from uh, Egypt or Greco Roman. Not real sure. Because I know Greeks are about that branding stuff. Come. That's where they come from. So, uh, to be honest, probably all those heathen nations were doing it. Right. You know what I mean? And when we seen it, when we wanted it. Because yeah. I, like, I know that the Elon priests, they they uh, have marks and they put uh, mm -hmm. all in their heads. Come. Yeah, uh, Elamites. Elamites, come. Uh, uh, yeah, they're known also for that damn diet. That kind of color. Red diet or something. And I know uh, a lot of uh, 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 Ishmaelites, man, they'll, I think their women are like put all this ink drawing on their hands right. and all kind of stuff. So I, I can I can see it more definitely being originated from Egypt. And certain uh, Hamite tribes, they'll uh, make marks for their ancestors. Right. For their, for their uh, like any warriors in their family right. that died. Yeah. I'm saying they'll put the, um, the marks inside of their head. For right, they'll actually put scars. Sudanese, I think so they're Sudanese, uh, certain Sudanese tribes. They'll start keloiding up, and they'll start being marked. Yeah, that's another thing. So that lets you know right there where it really originated from. Um, man, we're going to hop into this article. Um, Paul, we'll get you to pull up. We'll slap you off. Paul, we'll get you to pull up. Um, it's the one from Washington Post. Isaiah chapter 42, verse 22. All Akim got it? Verse 22. 
But this is a people robbed and spoiled. This is people what? Robbed and spoiled. Why do we have to continuously have things taken from us? And now they're taking our children like they are spoiled. They're holding them captive. And then they're making you, they almost, they almost snatching our children up, holding them captive, and then making us pay a ransom for them. Go ahead, keep going. They are all of them snared in holes. They're what? They are all of them snared in holes. Now, when the Bible talks about snares, it's traps. Uh -huh. So they are trapping our children. Usually when we talk about stuff like this, we're talking about like, like grown men, grown women. But now, uh, just like the other scriptures we, we've seen where, where they're hunting our steps, they're hunting our children's steps. Right. And why? For resources so they can make money. Keep reading. And they are hid in prison houses. And they are what? Hid in prison houses. No, I can't say that. The Bible can't be saying prison house. Can you read from the top one more time? Con, on, con. Verse 22. But this is a people robbed and spoiled. They are all of them snared in holes. And they are hid in prison houses. They are hid in prison houses. The scripture is letting you know what's happening to us. Right. And true enough, we might not be going by laws and all these and all these things, of course. That's why we're doing what we're doing right now by waking our people up, by teaching. But what right does the white man have being that he's already in rulership? You didn't already made the blacks, Hispanics, and Native Indians. You took everything from them. You made them slaves. You destroyed their families. And you still got to pick on their children. What else do you want, man? Because let me ask you something. How many of our brothers and sisters know about this right now? Hmm. Right. Know about these children being snatched up just because you had a little fist fight or something. Some of them have done a little more severe things, but it's anything across the board. So why isn't this being broadcasted and blown up big? It's only a people, a couple of groups that started to crack down on. That's one of the main reasons why a brother sent it to me, and I was like, wow, I've got to expose this and break it down. You know what I'm saying? So uh, keep reading, True Farah. Con on con. Mm -hmm. They are for prey. They are for what? They are for prey. Now, if something is for prey, that means there's a what? If there's a prey, then it's like, there's a predator. There's a predator. Keep going. And non deliberate. For a spoil and non-set, restore. They don't even want to help. They're not trying to help the children of Israel. They want to keep hurting the children of Israel. Right. And at the end of all this, we're going to get a scripture on what's going to happen to them with all this dirt that they're doing. Right. So, got us a scripture. We're going to hit a couple more. Uh, let me get Lamentations, and then after we get these Lamentations, I want you to start the article. Uh, let me get Lamentations 4 and 18. Then we're going to set that up to dive on into this article and break it down real quick. Damn right. Yeah, we're living these prophecies out in real time. Right. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was just thinking to myself, Mom, I got the cheap Bible. <laughs> what it was like, uh, half a cook. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody just said yeah, something about that. Hold on. Uh, what do you say? Right before Ezekiel. Uh, Limitations. Chapter 4, verse 18. They hunt our steps. They hunt our steps. The white man. The white man. That we cannot go in our streets. Cannot go in our streets. What does the scripture mean by saying that? That it's not safe to go outside of your home. Because you're going to be hunted as a prey. Do you have proof of that? What's the proof that we'd be hunted as prey? The reason why we can't go out in the streets. Sure. What's happening? Yeah, everything in, that, that we see in the news, we get pulled over for no reason. Stopping frisks. Uh, what's that? Uh, uh, and, that and it's all leading to seeing us what? Being arrested. And being and murdered. Being murdered out here. Con, con, con. You're being slaughtered. Keep going. Our end is near. Our days are fulfilled. For our end is come. Meaning that this stuff is coming to an end. There's going to be a day when the roles are going to be flipped. Except for we're going to rule righteously. Christ will rule with an iron, what it would say, with an iron rock. I think it's an iron rock. Yeah, kind of, kind But with that, it will be, they will be slaves and we still will rule righteous. The white man is evil. Right. He would, like, even if, a, if even all these nations that he is oppressed and at, that, at our lowest state, he still wants to push them down further and further. Like, like we've said before, man, the white man wants to treat us like we animals that's about to be extinct. Come. He'd rather see us extinct. So we he only have to deal with it. So now, Reading that, we seen that he's on our steps. Let's see what he's doing to our children. Let's see the strategy that he's using. So now we've got to go to this article, and we're going to break this article down and help people understand what's going on with this article and what's going on in, in uh, the United States. Because right now, it's very popular in Pennsylvania, California, uh, Tennessee, the rate of young people being locked up from whites, as as the article, uh, the one, the other article that I read says, whites to colors, color colored young people is uh, four point three to one. Hmm. So four point three of our children be locked up before even one of theirs. Right. So guess who's paying all that money? Out? Right. We are. We are. Go ahead and read uh, Your child's been sent to jail, and then comes the bill. By the Washington Post. In dozens of one-on-one -on -one meetings every week, 
a lawyer retained by the city of Philadelphia's son's parents, whose children have been jailed, pulls out his calculator and hands them more bad news, a bill for their kids' incarceration. So now, let's just say uh, this lawyer, and you're going to find out his name is Stephen Kaplan, he, his sole job is to sit there and get young uh, juveniles, find out where they're at, what charge they got, get them locked up, and issue out these bills to the parents. Hmm. Once the case has been settled, then he reaches out to the parents and makes sure that they pay money for them being locked up. This is crazy. And the whole thing is, depending on, like, if it, they want you to pay from 500 to 1000 a month. Because right. the whole fee can be anywhere from ten to $20,000. Right. During the whole time that they're so-called locked up. But the whole thing is also, we're going to find out that this man makes like 316000 a year and gets bonuses depending on how many of us of our children he locks up. Right. Keep reading. Even if a child is made approved innocent, the parents still must pay a nightly rate for the detention. Look at that. Even if they found innocent, even if they didn't even really do what they just got sent there down there for, mm -hmm. the juvie hall or whatever they call it, juvenile uh, prison, they still got to pay money for it. Go ahead. So, mm -hmm. so they really can just grab any kid who they feel like is unruly or whatever, lock them up, and the parents got to pay. What's that sound like? That's oppression. Mm -hmm. and, and who else is that? Go ahead. That's, so that's, that's kind of like extortion. Well, it's like exactly what they do to us. Right. It's grown men. What they do? If, right. they, if they see one of our brothers out here, he might not have, he might be home. What they do to him? They beat the hell out of him. Tell him to get off the corner. The man's trying to get off. It ain't quick enough. They snatch him and throw him in his squad car. Resistant. Lock him up. Say resistance to the rest. And we're talking about old men they do like that. How many uh, grown men that you didn't pull over because they so-called uh, tags was out or something. And the man's like, no, my tags is good. Here's my registration and all this. And then they're like, well, no. Uh, well, you fit the description. <laughs> and they pull you in. They go to the kids the same way. Keep going. Bills run up to $1,000 a month. How much? $1,000 a month. Now, if you're a sister or a brother, let's say you by yourself trying to raise your kids and you barely making ends meet enough just to pay the bills, how you coming up with a thousand dollars a month? Right. Hell, somebody making good money is hard to come up with a thousand dollars a month. Right. Keep going. And many of the parents of Philadelphia's roughly 730 detained children are so poor they can afford monthly installments of only five dollars. Bro, how long will you be paying for your child that's being detained? Mm. It's $10,000, and the only thing you can afford is five dollars a month. Mm. How long are you paying them? Forever. This ain't nothing but a setup. Because, see, also, we're going to find out if they don't pay this money, it goes to collections. And if they don't pay the collections, they lock your ass up. It ain't nothing but to set you up for failure. Right. Go ahead. The lawyer, Stephen Kaplan, 
who according to the city's contract is paid up to three hundred and sixteen thousand a year. How much he make a year? Three hundred and sixteen thousand. Man makes a three hundred and sixteen thousand a year to be a predator against our young people. Because his people, isn't it's a white man. Right. Now his people is a uh, uh, one percent of it compared to ours. Right. So he's not concerned with nothing but locking these kids up, making his paper, and getting more niggas in, in so-called red bags up off the street. Go ahead. A year in salary and bonuses, more than any city employee, including the mayor. He getting paid more than the mayor. Hmm. Paid, man. <laughs> what kind of mess is that? To lock kids up. This dude getting paid money to lock kids up, bro. He going out. Is one agent of a deeply entrenched social policy that took root across the country in the 1970s and 80s. So now we see that it started from the 70s and the 80s. Keep going. The guiding principle was simple. States, counties, and cities <coughs> believed that parents were shedding responsibility for their delinquent children and expecting the government to pick up the tab. So now the reason for all this was that we're going to uh, lock up all your kids gonna have to pay the money for it because they keep getting in trouble and you ain't doing nothing about it. So since we got a babysitter, you're gonna pay us. Hmm. But see also the children have a charge on them now. Now they got a record. You're not you're not rehabilitating them while they're while they're incarcerated. They're probably getting pressured, getting into more fights, so then when they come back out, they probably go right back in. Right. And who paying that too? Hmm. They parents? They parents. It's going to be a revolving door until they get over. It's like, uh, and the federal government pays the jails to house them. Exactly. On top of that. That's why you got a lot of people trying to own, that's why you have privately owned jails. Thanks to Clinton. Yeah, because he, he, uh, he started investing in all the jails, Bill Clinton, right. and then his, his uh, uh, Hillary Clinton started coming out calling them super predators. Right. So now you want to lock them up even more because you get paid for it. So if you get paid for them as adults, how do we get paid for them as children? That's why the whole time, man, we're looking at our people as a resource for this white man. Right. He's finding a way to get paid off of us by any means. Keep going up. Uh, Salaka, too, if I'm hurt. Mm -hmm. that, man, that's another way. Uh, I mean, it's just oppressive, man, all the way around. Yeah. And then, I mean, when, you, when they get them private, private fund uh, prisons and stuff, mm -hmm. they can do what they want to do, mm -hmm. too, because they'll put a incentive behind, you know, a certain amount of people getting locked up. Right. So once you start doing that, it ain't nothing wickedness coming behind. Right. It ain't number one. Once you put a dollar sign on the on the humanity, mm -hmm. it's, it ain't number wickedness coming behind. And you're not, and my whole thing is, to me, it's wrong to lock up brothers and sisters up, period. But it ain't no kind of rehabilitation going on. Right. Most people that get locked up, man, they get into most stuff. They come back out there, or they get comfortable in there. They don't mind going back. Because mm -hmm. that's why they homies at, they locked up too. So then being on the street, getting into some dirt, ain't nothing. You're going to take me somewhere where I'm cool at. Right. I'm the man in there. Go ahead. No, it's, uh, well, actually, I was going to make the point. Mm -hmm. uh, shoot. Lost it? Yeah, I lost okay. it. No, no, no. Yeah, it's gone. If parents share uh, financial, so like, oh, I did want to say one thing. 
Since y'all brought up that private, private old prisons, how about if you a juvenile and you got put in private old prisons, the rate goes up. We gonna see that too. Right. So people, like he said, he just said, people are gonna charge what they want to charge. If they own it, right. it's a game. Go ahead. The guiding principle of Sel uh, Selica, I already read that. Uh, if parents shared the financial cost of incarceration, this thinking went, they would be more involved in keeping their children out of trouble. That was their reason. I mean, do we think taxpayers should be supporting these bad kids? Kaplan said in the interview. Now listen to that. This is why I made say, you think we're going to support these bad kids? Hmm. And then some of these kids that is being charged uh, wrong. They ain't even doing it. Right. So that you know what kind of mind frame this man is in. Go ahead. Today, mothers and fathers are built for their children's incarceration. In jails, detention centers, court-ordered treatment facilities, training schools, or disciplinary camps. By 19 state juvenile justice agencies, while in at least 20 other, 28 other states, involved counties can legally do the same. A survey by the Marshall Project shows. So basically, man, this Marshall Project is a, uh, they basically analyze what's going on with this juvenile, uh, making money off these juveniles that, that the uh, state government is doing. Basically, depending on what state and county that you're from, like Orange County in California got the highest amount of juveniles locked up and they charge the most. Hmm. On the average, we gonna see how much they make. They are making a guap off the incarceration of juveniles alone. We ain't even talking about the men, grown men and grown women. Right. They basically making a business off of pinch. Right. And I, and I know, I know y'all brothers know, mm -hmm. but a lot of uh, brothers and sisters might not know what peonage is, but peonage is basically a way to legalize slavery. Right. right. So you basically training these juveniles to be slaves. Because if they fall into their system and they keep getting in trouble, they don't end up getting locked up when they get old. And on top of that, you can find a way to make money off of while they babies. Right. Keep going on. Groups of law students, juvenile defense lawyers, and others have been begun to challenge this payment system, arguing that it is akin to taxing parents for their child's loss of liberty and punishing them with debt. In Philadelphia, the city council is meeting Friday to consider abolishing the practice. In California, which incarcerates more children than any other state, at a typical cost to parents of $30 a night. Now that's the average. Now they're charging now we read earlier, I think, uh, some juveniles, and I forgot what that was. It was like 730 <coughs> were detained. Now California, they're the highest rate. And oh, then, Philadelphia. Uh, Philadelphia? Okay, Philadelphia has an average of 730 detained. So then California has an average larger than that. And they making $30 a night mm -hmm. off of each one? Man, you do them figures, man. Hmm. They are making millions off the incarceration of juveniles. Keep going. Activists have succeeded in getting the practice banned in three counties. Two senators have introduced a bill to ban it statewide. So they're trying to fight it, but you keep seeing they try to fight it, they try to ban it here and there. But it's like a law that isn't actually embedded into the government as far as the US. It's almost like 
it's it's in, it's like a pass they give it to all these states. Right. It's a bill, so you can use it if you choose. To. If your state running low on money, lock them little nigga children up. Lock them little wetbacks up. It's kind of like a smoke and mirrors. They give the they give the allure like they're trying to do something about it, but really they they not. Exactly. Just like voting. Exactly. You think exactly. you're doing something, you but really you shit. ain't. Because we so like you ain't doing nothing because they control that damn vote. They already know who's gonna be in there. Right. Like when them candidates come up, they already know who they who they gonna put in there. It's like it's it's, like, it's, it's, it's akin to what they were doing in yeah. uh and uh, what's his name? Uh, well, Mike Brown's from uh, St. Louis. St. Louis. Yeah, it's akin to what they be doing up there. Yeah. Yeah, we know how they were putting everybody over just to, you know what I'm saying, get in half the damn city was, was in debt mm-hmm. because of traffic tickets. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? It was, it was, it was, it was revenue for the, uh, for the, the county. State, for uh, the state, yeah. yeah. Because uh, they were just putting them over, you know, they just kept on putting them over. Yeah, he's right. It's the same. I think they mentioned that in here, matter of fact. About Mike Brown's the same thing. Well, keep going. Uh, aside from the emotional stuff, holding my son together, holding myself together, now they're going to say, by the way, you owe us cash for this, said Tamisha Walker, one of the mothers who fought successfully for uh, moratorium in California's Contra County Coastal County. Now, I want uh, Barack, I want you to look up moratorium. You're going to find out what that means. This sister was told that she got to pay cash. She can't just, <laughs> she can't just pay, like, a check. Well, I ain't going to say a check, but she, they want their cash money right here for even right. complaining. You know mm. what I mean? They, they, they want to call complaining. They want, they, she want her cash, they want her cash right here, right there. there. <clears throat> moratorium? Yeah, moratorium. Come on, come on. You need to spell it on there? No, I got it. Okay, go ahead. Moratorium. A temporary pro- 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 prohibition mm-hmm. of an activity. Come on. It should be a, a law. Ah, it's so lucky. Go ahead. <clears throat> law. A legal authorization to debtors to postpone payment. See, now what people are doing is they're trying to have a moratorium where they postpone these payments. Or they get them totally banned because when they seem like when people fight it and they take them to court, they win and they gotta pay. But if you sit there and don't fight it and you just like okay, we put me on a payment plan, they gonna milk you until you drop. Right. That's how crooked this system is, man. That's white supremacy. So I mean, and that lets you know that it, the the bill is messed up anyway. Mm-hmm. If everybody who fight win, right? You know what I'm right. saying? So. It's like they in cahoots, like the courts is in cahoots with them anyway. Of course. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They, and, I, and I don't know the ratio or how many are, are winning. I'm sure some people are is losing. But like you said, man, it's, it's almost like it's not a real law. Right. It's just like this bill that they created to give states a way to make more money. Right. You know what I mean? And, they, and it's at the hands of oppressing our people and destroying more families, just like gen- uh, genocide, just like uh, gentrification. Uh-huh. You know, they destroy these people's, our people's neighborhood and not care because they gonna make so much money off of it. So it's, it's just another example of, of uh, just hidden agendas that they use to destroy us or try to. Uh, keep going. Because these parents are, are so often from poor communities, 
even the most aggressive efforts to build them seldom bring in meaningful revenue. Philadelphia netted $551,000 from parents of the legal children in fiscal 2016. A small fraction of the $81 million the city spent on all delinquent placements, according to city records. Look at that. They had, a, they had $81 million what? Delinquent, delinquent payment, placements. So, like, so basically, they wasted $81 million trying to make people pay. And the only profit that they made was what, $515,000? $515,000. Hmm. $551,000. See, it's not even lucrative. It's not even like they making money if you fall for it. Right. If you like, I'm not finna pay that, they're not really doing that. It's almost hmm. like they're using something just to test the waters, just to be like, let's see if this works. You know what I mean? It's, it's crazy. Go ahead. It's like they do the same thing with um with like with your driver's license or anything. And if you got like back uh, court costs or something like that, they'll take your driver's license. With this, they try to threaten you with locking you up. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? If you don't pay this. Right. Yeah, it's, it's a gamble. If somebody scared to get locked up, they're going to pay that money. Exactly. And it ain't no for sure thing you're going to get locked up, but then you make it good. You could, yeah. It's a, it's a game, man. Uh, oh, keep going. A similar pattern emerges in financial data gathered from all 50 states. Significantly operating budgets for collection officers and meted out invoices, but no amounts of money actually collected from families. And let you know right there, they're they not making a real profit on this thing. Mm. A low amount, didn't it say a low amount of money? So that means you're not profiting off this. You're just basically destroying families. Right. So, like, yeah. I mean, that's just as good as, as making money yeah. to them. They don't care. And, and what the lawyers say? How's the lawyer get? Did we see the bonuses? Uh, so, how's the lawyer getting paid? The lawyer getting paid. I mean, he's just getting paid for them being locked up. And he gets a bonus so based on a, a bonus based on how many heads he got inside the, the jail. Exactly. Hmm. So as long as he get a good head count in there, he getting paid. So if he's getting a head count that's pleasing the one above him, that means he getting paid. Right. So it's not even about the little people. Mm -hmm. It's about how much can we make off these niggas. Right. And another thing too, the the private owned prisons, they get money just off of the heads too. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So there it's a win-win. Even though they're not just killing the parents and stuff like mm -hmm. that, you know, making a big profit off of them, mm -hmm. they still is destroying these these parents like you were just saying. From a huge standpoint, who's ever in charge of getting paid because he wouldn't keep doing it? Right. right. You know what I'm saying? That's a huge loss, but that loss is probably coming from a lower level. But uh, also, they uh, they get money off of like going back to the lawyer situations, like public defenders and stuff like that. They they trade people. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like it's cards. Mm -hmm. Hey, okay, if you let I let you get him, if you let me get this guy off. You know what I'm saying? Whoever the big spender is, they'll they'll let four four or five go to jail for for petty stuff where it could have been worked out to get one off. Right. Yeah, they make all kinds of deals. And they get bonuses if you cop a plea. At Nashville's a what, ninety percent cop out rate? In Nashville? Oh, no. Yeah, it's, it's, it's somewhere around there, ninety percent mm -hmm. cop out rate. And every time you cop out, your public defender get a bonus. Oh. I'll keep going. Many juvenile correction administrators say the payment system is a way of keeping parents engaged with their children. 
whose food, clothing, and medical expenses they will be paying for anyway. <laughs> so, so they try to say, you will be paying this for your kids anyway. Right. You'll be paying these thousands of dollars. White man is the devil. So say it again. Mm. White man, man is the devil. White man is the devil about this man. Trying to justify what mm. he doing by saying you will be paying this anyway. And people looking at you like, where do I come off of extra G? Show me, because I'll mm. stop paying that extra G. <laughs> you know noodles and noodles don't cost that no, much. No, man. You know, pop talks and stuff don't cost that much, bro. We, we, we get their clothes this place and somebody gives it to them. Value flakes. But you know, that's, that's the white man always trying to justify the evil that he does. Because he has a perpetual hatred for us. Right. Right. Like that since the womb, he saw Jacob. Uh, keep going. It increases buy-in. It keeps the parents' skin in the game. It keeps the parents' skin in the game. It makes the parents accountable. Hmm. Say. Keep going. Say James Bush who head Louisiana Office of Juvenile Justice. Now see, he's working in the facility. He wanted to head cast in the Juvenile Justice uh, uh, program. Go ahead. Added that in a state with severe budget problems, his department needs all the funding it can get. Whoa, buddy. Whoa. I can't believe you just said that. Say that one more time. That in a state where with severe budget problems, a state with severe budget problems. Now y'all have to remember what California in the hole a while back. Yeah, so all I, was running they still in the hole. They, they not bad money, they coming up off this hill. Hmm. Keep going. His department needs all the funding it can get. The department can use all the funding they can get. So is it really about the parents being accountable for the children or about your money? About the money. The money always come up. To him, that's the power. Keep going. Bush and others also said the agencies are constrained by state law, frequently outdated, that holds parents financially responsible for the children's transgressions, ranging from truancy and curfew violations to shoplifting to murder. Now, see, it's for everything. It's not like one thing is worse than the other. You can get caught for not showing up to school and they take you juvenile. Right. You can get caught for being late, uh, past your curfew, and you getting taken to juvenile. All of them. You can be in somebody smacking the back of the head, you smack them back, taking you to juvenile. Why are they so quick to take them kids to juvenile? Because they get paid for it. Keep going. It was a very different time when too many parents frequently wanted to essentially dump their adolescent children on juvenile courts when they found them unruly, ungovernable, or uncontrollable. Now he's talking about the times of the 70s and the 80s. They say the whole reason why they created this program is because these kids was getting was acting bad and they used the jail as the parents would use the jail for the kids just the way you just go to jail then and then the juvenile would take with us uh, sit there and hold it. So like I was one of the kids. <laughs> there you go. My mama sent me to juvenile. I mean I don't want to bring that person. No, that's all right. But my mama sent me to juvenile. You know she but all the parents a lot of parents was doing the same thing though around mm -hmm. the time too when I was young. Mm -hmm. That you know when you unruly man they'll take you down to juvenile for like twenty four hours. You know mm -hmm. the parents take you down there. Then 
get you, you know, in 24 hours or so, just to give you an example of what juvenile life, you know, it's kind of like a scary straight. Right. Yeah. Since you said that, this going to be a good example. Since you said that, what did that do? How did that make you better? Oh, man, in fact, I, I, you know, I was scared of, you know, I was just hearing stuff, you know, you're going to jail, you know what I'm saying, this going to happen to you, this going to happen to you. So I went there and beat a couple of things up, and I was like, man, this ain't nothing. pastors they support your councilmen or your mayors or anything like that just like when the mayor got caught 
what doing her thing in the graveyard, where'd she go? She went straight she went straight to uh whatever what's that what's that damn uh temple? Uh the one the the main yeah Mount Zion went there. Man, she went to all of she she made a nice little tour. Yeah. Thought she was very clean. Church tour. Right. So they could cuddle her and and tell her it's gonna be okay and everybody like, see, she's a good person. That's the same thing the Christian church does. Mm. And that's how they destroy families. Right. Everybody think we so wrong by saying this about the Christian church. Prove us wrong. Right. Show tell us show us that y'all don't have homosexuals in your church. Right. Right. Show us that you don't have pedophilia in your church. Right. Right. You got these sisters and brothers on TV now, not TV, but now on social media coming out right in front of the pastor saying, yeah, this is Pastor so-and-so, and he molested me when I was eight years old in my life. Right, i seen it. Our people are sick of this, man. That's why they're standing up to this law right here. That's why they started a band. In most, most churches, you know what I'm saying, I'm not in the choirs, homosexuality, drug use, mm-hmm. drug selling, uh, they straight out the club into the church. There's it's, no difference than it's not, between the church and the street, man. Right. Only thing is, you got you got a head dude instead of the, the, the big <laughs> homie on the block. The big Somebody. homie is the pastor. Right. The, church. Yeah, the uh, Christian church ain't nothing but a club for people who had to work Saturday night. Yeah, that's about it. That's about it. Go ahead. Uh, until recently, that logic had gone mostly unexamined, in part because juvenile defenders advocate for children, not parents, whose separate problems often go overlooked when a child is accused of a crime. But family advocates have increasingly taken the position that detention payments introduce new obstacles for young people already struggling to succeed. A run counter to the juvenile justice system's century-old mission to improve children's outcomes by helping them learn from their mistakes. Now see, that would be a righteous thing to do if they were doing it. Right. Teaching these kids some kind of training or teaching them some some kind of way on how not to do what they're doing. But again, you're asking the heathen nation to teach your children. Right. right. But they really come teach your children, man. That's like us in the truth. Hey, come teach this white boy, man, the, 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 uh, the, the correct way to be an Israelite. Yeah, you ain't gonna do that. Hmm. You gonna be like, leave that little kid right there. <laughs> and I'll be back. I'm gonna go to the store. You want something to the store? That ain't gonna be my favorite line. Right. That ain't gonna be bad. That ain't my time. You gonna take care of your nice. Keep going. Here's a family that needs support. And what we're gonna do, uh, Salaki, and what we're going to do instead is put a whole lot of economic pressure on them. It's just for Hmm. Associate Director of the Juvenile Law Center, a national advocacy group based in Philadelphia. Parents don't choose for their kids to go to jail, they just don't. So basically, we're going to put economic pressure on you for you to do right. For you to raise these children correctly. You don't give a damn about that. You just going to get that money. Right. And hope that they keep going in and out of their jail. So you keep your jail school. You want me to reach a lot. Mm-hmm. You want me to read the state's practice variable? Uh, I want you to read the sister. Okay. It's a sister named, named Maria Cruz, uh, Mariana Kubas. Come on, come Unless we already passed her. Yeah, we haven't got to it. Okay. So, right. 
No, it's like it, it wasn't important. But uh, I was gonna say in Nashville they do the same thing. Uh, they per day, I think it's like twenty dollars per day, mm. something like that. That you stay, they'll add it onto your court costs. Mm. If they if they say yeah, you got to do this much time, they already got it tallied up. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Into yeah, yeah, they put it all into your court costs. That's crazy, man. Go ahead, huh? More on her. Come Neglected nearly ten thousand dollars for her child's imprisonment. She had been able to pay only pay back only fifty dollars a month. So she was paying. That's the sick part. She like I can't afford that, but I'll pay fifty. Mm. That fifty could have been in her pocket, man, because her son ended up not even doing a damn crime. This this is what we dealing with, man. Give me your Ezekiel thirty-five and five. Come on, come on. Sure, your son was stolen from you for a year, said Landu, stunned, but here's what it costs. Animated by stories such as uh, Kavai, 35 juvenile defenders at East Bay Community Law Center in Berkeley teamed up with students at the University of California at Berkeley Law School to begin gathering county-level data to determine whether the payment requirement so long ignored was cost effective. So basically, they just trying to see if that money was even uh, uh, legit. Should they have been charging her for that? Man, let me get two more scriptures. Uh, that's, that's about it. Yeah, yeah I'm going to read that. Let me get it off man. It speaks for itself. It's just something I want to cover real quick. Because uh, it's something that people just, I don't think a lot of people know about. I didn't know about it when it was brought to me. Uh, which is how in the hell did black men believe a Bible in 2018 help that make sense? How in the hell did black men believe in the Bible in 2018 help that make sense? You a dumbass. Right, right. If, you, if, if, if I'm reading this question correctly, I hope I'm reading it wrong. I hope you a brother, because I can't tell by the picture. I hope you're a brother and you're saying it in a way that I just don't understand if you are so like. But if you're saying, how in the hell the black man believe in a Bible in 2018 helped that make sense? How in the hell has anything helped? Not, like, here's my thing. From what you're saying, David Butler, you saying that basically we shouldn't be believing in the Bible because that's the whole reason why we messed up, right? Here's the thing. What we believe in right now as a nation is not the Bible. We believe in a white man. Right. That's what we're talking about right now. Yes, you a brother. Let me ask you something, David Butler. <laughs> you sound like you a comedic, brother. Right. <laughs> you sound like you comedic or you atheist. Or... Here's the thing. What law do black, Hispanics, and Native Indians what law can they live by that's going to show them brotherhood, sisterhood, how to survive? Tell me that law right now. And don't even know my yacht. <laughs> right. Because that my yacht crap ain't teaching y'all nothing but how to be homosexuals, how to smoke weed, and call a slut a queen. Right. So you work on that, and I'm going to keep fencing this class. Man, let me get Ezekiel 30. <coughs> Con on one con. Ezekiel chapter 35, verse 5. Mm-hmm. Because thou hast had 
A perpetual hatred. A perpetual hatred. Does anybody, can anybody look up perpetual for me? So we can understand scripture in context. You know, because cats like uh, David Butler, they think the Bible, how, how are we still listening to the Bible in 2018? Man, may I ask you 